Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. You guys learning a lot? You having a fun time? What, what, did, what did Miles talk about? Okay, okay. What, what's one thing, what's one thing you remember from Miles' family message? Be patient. I mean, you could say that about any message, but I'll just believe you. Okay, and then, and then Alex taught this morning, right? Right? This is some participation here, right? Yeah, he did. What'd you learn from Alex's message? Content and singleness. Right, 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 right. So you learned something, right? So we've learned, we've heard from Miles, and we've heard from Alex, and we've had our, our breakout sessions. Did we have fun at those? Yes. I didn't have a lot of fun at our hangout session. All I did was lose at one of my favorite games over and over again. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for the awe there. But if you guys want to be turning to Ephesians 5, we're going to eventually get there. Tonight is sort of the culmination of the natural progression um, from family to from general relationship, singleness to marriage, and we're going to get there. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a haul. Uh, we're going we're to cover some, some, some areas first. It's for everybody, so I don't want anyone to say, well, well I'm not married, so guess I'll fall back asleep now. Um, we'll stay tuned. I'll throw in some sex jokes or something. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But in any facet of life, so, so if you're a part of a family, which, hey, we all are, if you're a part of a family, if you're single, or if you're married, every part of our life, the ultimate goal as a believer is what? To bring honor, sorry, I led you on there, don't answer, is what is to bring honor and praise and glory to the name above all names, to Jesus Christ, Christ our King. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're single or married. Okay, we're going to figure out how to do that while we glorify the Lord. Our mission does not change. The Great Commission is the Great Commission. No matter who you are, no matter what your name is, no matter where you live, the same commandment is true. We need to glorify Jesus Christ to further the gospel and have it known that he is amazing, that he changes everything. That you're not doomed to, to live with that old man, those sins, that, 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 that thing, the world. The, the worship songs that we sing are so much different from the, the worship songs of the world, right? Bastille, I, I think I've said this before, but Bastille is like a pop, whatever you want to call it, song and band. And they have this song, and they literally say, there's a hole in my, there, there's a hole in my soul. I can't fill it. I can't fill it. There's a hole. Do you know that song? They say, there's a hole in my soul, I can't fill it. There's a hole in my soul, can you fill it? Can you fill it? There's a hole in my soul, help me fill it, help me fill it. What? <laughs> They're crying out that, that the lost world is unsatisfying. They're identifying that when you live in that old man, you have this hole in the middle of your soul and you pour all these things over and over into them. You pour video games and, and fake relationships and, and true relationships, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, wives. You pour activities, hobbies, rock climbing. You, you pour your body image. You pour your popularity. You pour all of that stuff into this hole. And without Jesus Christ, none of it satisfies you. 
You have to keep going. It's that pursuit of happiness thing that John talked about in the postscript. Which, oh, you didn't listen to the postscript? No, you did. You you guys all listen. I'm going to fall off this thing, and when I do, don't worry. I will be fine. We cannot fill that hole. Jesus Christ changes the whole man. You believe, you accept Jesus Christ, and he comes into that hole, and it's not just the hole filled. He says, okay, delete, and now you're a new creature. Jesus Christ is living inside of you. Revelations 19.7, Revelation 19.7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. That's a spoiler for what we're going to talk about. Jesus Christ is the church's husband. The church is the bride of Christ. And at the end of the story, Revelation, the end of the book, you know, this is the projection, not today, later, we're going to say, wow, praise God, give him glory, give him honor, rejoice, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. Because he is. Jesus Christ is coming. And are we ready? Married or not, we all need to be making ourselves ready for the coming of the Lamb. But if you're thinking about physical marriage in here right now, we have to be prepared. Right? You don't... uh, Sorry. We have to be prepared. We have to practice biblical marriage once we're married. And then we have to work on perfecting the art of being married. We have to continue on. Marriage is something that should refine and sanctify you. Marriage should be a gift to the body and to others around you. Marriage, like all else, requires us to crucify our flesh. Marriage is a holy biblical picture. And thus, everything in the world you see around you about marriage is going to be trying to sabotage it, tear it apart. Marriage is powerful, and Satan will always try and corrupt it. Marriage is key for children and raising up children in a a biblical home. And most people find many of their own spiritual hurdles rooted in the marriages of their parents. So you've been turning to Ephesians 5, I hope. And we're going to look at how this lays out our vocation, our dedication, and our motivation. So, so, so yeah, with the alliteration. So we got, we got preparation, and then we got practice, and then we got perfection, we got vocation, we got dedication and motivation. Just, just, they're just words, I mean, just follow along. So that first part, the first section, we're going to get into prepare. It's going to be our, our vocation. What, what are we preparing for? So you say you want to be married, maybe you don't, but either way, let's prepare. Prepare like it could happen, even if you're, you're content where you are. You should still be prepared, right? You still want to be ready. Like any biblical principle that God has developed, we the people can get easily confused and must find refuge in the truths of Scripture. Are you guys at Ephesians 5 yet? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we love you. I love you. I'm so thankful that I don't have to get up here and just try to be entertaining or cool or smart or say the right things or try to fix anything. Lord, I just, I just trust you. Lord, I'm nobody. Um, I pray that, that your word would be what goes out today, tonight. Um, Lord, I pray that we would hear from you, um, that, that that flesh that's just clinging to 
to that old man that knew that it would get cut away, that we would see things where we can be stepping forward and growing more like you, Lord. Help us to see the truths of your scripture. Help us to be more like you. Just let me pray. Amen. So this holy text, you're in Ephesians 5, right? This holy text that God gave us is the game plan, it's the playbook, and it's where we're going to find all our preparation. In any scenario you find yourself in, maybe it's, it's the fourth quarter, and there's, there's 13 seconds left in, in the big game, and the bills are breathing down your neck, and, and you're down by however many we were down by. The Bible has all the plays. The Bible is who we're turning to with those, the 13-second miracle. Or maybe, um, none of you guys, I asked like a couple people, none of you guys even know what happened with the Bulls and the Hornets game. But that was like down to the wire. It was like a minute left in the game, and the Bulls somehow, yeah, they somehow, like Zach Levine went nuts. In those situations in our life, the Bible is where we pull those miracles out of. Not Patrick Mahomes or Zach Levine. We have the Bible. This, this is our word of God. It's what and how and who we are following right here. This Bible. Before, before you drive your car anywhere, you need to make sure that there's gas in it. I thought, I mean, I wrote that in there and I was like, that's a dumb metaphor. <laughs> but it's there. I think I've taken enough liberty with the metaphors, but marriage is a big deal. And we have to count the cost before anything. We prepare like this. Um, Philemon 1.22 says, But with all prepare me also a lodging. Um, for I trust that through your, par- through your prayers I shall be given unto you. And so this is like, it's similar to how we see Joseph, and he is the steward of Potiphar's household. And then from that, that Old Testament picture, we pull how can we be good stewards of what we're doing based on Joseph's stewardship of something physical. Paul here is asking that they prepare him a house, prepare him a lodging because I'm coming there. So for us, what does that mean for us? What, what does it look like to prepare? Well, they knew someone, they knew Paul was coming. Well, they got to make sure he has a bed. They got to make sure he has food. They got to make sure someone's going to show him around town. When me and Miles went up to New Philadelphia, Vinny was taking care of us. He was prepared for us. He printed out a list of all the cool places that we needed to go in New Philly. That's preparing. It takes time and effort and thought into what we're expecting. So we need to prepare for marriage. We need to put time and effort and thought into what we're expecting to happen in order to foster it well. Without preparation, we are doomed to split-second decisions and mistakes. You will be making plenty of mistakes regardless. You're already going to make mistakes every day, every week. So let's do what we can to set things up right. I've already let Havla down too often. This is my wife, Havla. What? <laughs> yeah, woo. Woo. I've let you down too often. But, but why? if we can prevent, if I could prevent one of those mistakes, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Ephesians 5, right? Remember when we were turning to Ephesians 5? Yeah. Well, we're there now. Verses 1 and 2. What? Starting at verses 1 and 2. Yep. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling, sweet smelling savor. Walk in love. Ephesians 5 is one of the main marriage chapters. 
If, if anyone is talking about marriage and going to the Bible for it, odds are they're going to be in Ephesians 5. And, and Brandon touched on this in our breakout session this morning. There's a lot that happens through Ephesians and through the beginning of the chapter before marriage is even brought up. It's like verse 22 before he even says anything about husbands and wives. That means there's a chunk of 20 verses that we need to get context for before we get, even get into marriage. Walk in love, it says, as Christ also hath loved us. Be ye followers of God. Verse 1, jump, jumping back and forth. Be ye therefore followers of God. It didn't say anything about if you're married or not. It didn't say anything if, if, if you're in a relationship or not. Whoever you are, you're to be a follower of God as dear children and to walk in love. If you're single, you are to walk in love. Christ has redeemed you. If you are married, you are to walk in love. Maybe you have scars or wounds from your own parents' marriage and the experience you have from that. You're looking to date. Well, you, you need to walk in love. You have a husband who doesn't seem excited about following the Lord as you do. You want to encourage him, but anytime you bring it up, he gets defensive and the situation deteriorates. Well, you need to walk in love. You need the word of God. You need that playbook, that, the, the, the metaphor that was whatever about the sports teams. You need that playbook to get you out of those, those situations. We need the word of God. We need to walk in love. This word is provided to all of us, simply requiring our faith in the crucifixion of our will. Before anything, plant your feet on solid ground and walk in love. Mark 12, how many of you guys have gone through Mark 12 in your Bible studies? Oh, keep your hands up. See, getting you active, getting, keeping that blood flowing. Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second commandment is namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Walk in love. It was the very first commandment, the preeminent commandment that Jesus laid out in Mark 12. Keep going in Ephesians, pick it up in verse 3. So he said, be followers, right? He said, be followers of God. And he said, to walk in love. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know what? Relationship status does not change your spiritual state. Changing your relation, going on Facebook, this was cool when I was a kid, going on Facebook and getting to say, ooh, in a relationship now, all my friends know I'm dating someone. Changing your relationship status will not fix your spiritual status. You will not become more holy once you see the spiritual pictures of having a spouse every day. You will not become more holy when you have all these kids that you have to get your, your butt into gear so that you can fix them and raise them and teach them. None of that stuff fixes your spiritual state. First and before anything comes your relationship with Christ. 
your personal decision to follow after him with all you have, to believe what he says, and to trust in who he has provided in your life for counsel. For a sermon about marriage, we're talking an awful lot about not marriage, right? But we haven't even got to marriage in the chapter yet. It said what? To follow after him? And then it just lists all this gross stuff that shouldn't be named among our lives. So what that tells me is before I even get to marriage, I got to divorce all this sin. I got to get all this sin out before I can even think about marriage. We're talking about preparing, right? If we're going to prepare for marriage, but you've already decided that all this sin is fine, that's going to hang out in the back corner, that you're done dealing with sin, what's, what's the point? That's not being very well prepared. That's not going to practice. That's not looking at the Bible, looking at the game plan, seeing how it's laid out, and obeying it. That's ignoring everything. We have to deal with this sin. Get fornication, get uncleanness and covetousness. Get it out of here. Find contentment. Right? Find love. We got to walk in love. We have to follow God before anything else. If you have accepted the payment Jesus Christ has offered you, then those things in that list should be in that sometimes darkness because now we're light. Let's pick it up in verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those, those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. That's where, that's where we have to start. This is, this is all the chunk before we even talk about marriage. Key point number one, before anything else, we're called to walk in love. That's, 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 that, that includes that whole list of verses, walking in love and then defining it. Finding a spouse is, is often mystified and it's vague, but the earlier you prepare for marriage, the better off it'll be. If you went to school to be a doctor and you did your practicals and you watched other doctors doing doctor things, you're going to be a lot better off than if you just decide one day, hey, I'm going to be a doctor, you walk into an emergency room and start grabbing tools, right? There's got to be some preparation here. Believe what you want about soulmates. This is like a little tangent, so believe what you want about soulmates. I'm not trying to ruin anyone's Disney understanding of, of love. I'll tell you, Adam didn't have a lot of options, right? He didn't have to go searching for his soulmate. The other options were like a camel. <laughs> Not a big, you know, <laughs> oh. I mean, hippopotamus has some curves, but. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ain't nothing like Eve, though, you know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> All right, so no, the easiest way that it was explained to me, so you got this big old dartboard, right? There's not some, there's not some soulmate, perfect person that I'm waiting and preparing for, and if I just fill all the right puzzle pieces in in terms of preparation, this, this perfect person will all of a sudden be on my doorstep, right? Dan Renault explained it to me like a dartboard, which he probably heard from somebody else, as all, as all these, these old midtown parables do. <laughs> but you have a dartboard, right? And you have this list of, of, of everything you want in a spouse, and that bullseye is going to be all the things you want, the things you've identified, the, the, the spiritual things that are in agreement with your life. And then this is where the dartboard gets weird because I, I would think that it's like bullseye, the next best, the next best. But have you looked at them? It's like bullseye, six, 14, four. I don't understand how a dartboard works. <laughs> but if you think about it like this, so like you are getting to choose what, what, what you get. Either you're going to wait and get the bullseye, and that's the spouse you get, or you're going to hit over here, and you're like, okay, good enough, I got on the board. (laughs) But finding a spouse is super important because once you decide to get married, that's it. The choices are done. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Nothing else matters. If you marry a person, that's your wife now. That's your husband now. Everything in the Bible about principally being married, once you're married, is true for you. No more going back. So we need to prepare. You, it's a lot. It's, it asks a lot of you. We're going to get into it. it. There's a lot required for you to be a spouse. And you need to prepare. You need to make sure that the person that's going to be your spouse is going to be worth all the things that you need to do. If you started right and you're following God, you got rid of that sin, you're striving to keep sin away, you hate seeing sin in your life, you're walking after him and you're believing his word, then you want someone who's doing the same and who will help you in that pursuit, not hinder you. I'll tell you, without Havilah, I would be less. <laughs> like at this point, and before probably, I'm so, I'm, I would be such worse off. The, the spouse that, that God's given me that he didn't give me, like we decided, we can talk about that later, she didn't just show up on the doorstep I, I saw her around, I, I, I took a class, and she was there with me. We schemed to see each other more. I brought her Cheez-Its, like flirted with her instead of paying attention in class. Like I pursued her and won that, that, that chance for her to be able to say yes or no. But because of that, I'm better. Because of all the things required of me, it makes me a better person. It makes me a better man. And without her, I would be less. We need to prepare because that's what we want. That's what we want. Not someone who's, who's, who's making you worse actively. If, you know, it's, it's a blessing because Havala makes me better. But if, if we don't prepare, if we don't get this right, you could end up with a spouse that is draining, that doesn't make you better. It could be opposite. But why is all this important? Why are we talking so much about personal integrity, sinlessness? We go back up to that passage, Ephesians 5, 14 through 21. Look at at these terms here. Awake thou that sleepest. Walk circumspectly, redeeming the time. 
There's excess. Wherein is excess? I know that's talking about wine and drunkenness, but that means there's liberties that you can get caught and distracted in because Jesus Christ is coming back because we don't have a ton of time. If you make the wrong decision about a spouse, that can wrap up a a ton of time that you're just wasting not able to live the mission. If, if you're not able to, like, you have to be content. That was, a, that was an awesome message. You have to have contentment. We have to walk, walk circumspectly. We have to pay attention because this is the time that we need to be redeeming. We don't need to be wasting it on foolish pursuits and relationships. Um, some, somebody brought this up, but 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. That was you, right? You talked about 1 Corinthians 7? Okay. Yeah, Alex talked about it earlier. But Paul, he doesn't command it, but he suggests, if you can, stay single. Listen, it's similar to what you hear pastors and missions say, pastors and missionaries say. They'll, they'll say, when you say, hey, I want to be a pastor too, they'll say, well, if you can do anything else, do that. Have you heard that before? They'll be like, hey, if there's anything else you can find contentment doing, do that before this. Not that it's, not that it's a bad thing, but th- that it's a hard thing, that it requires more. Being married is such a blessing, but if you're able to remain single, and free, what does that do for the mission? You're able to pile into a house with five, seven guys and pay a hundred bucks a month. You're able to just leave and go to Kenya, quit a job, and you know, live in a cardboard box for two months. Like, I can't do that. <laughs> I have things to take care of. I got big, expensive bills. But when you're single, you could literally go live on the street if you wanted. Because you just you do just need. Ritz, who was talking about feeding? You do just need Ritz, oh, it was James. You do just need Ritz crackers and water if you're a single dude. And you could go anywhere. Just buy packs of Ritz crackers. If you can live like that, do it. Because, not because, like, it would, it would be more, it's not more fun to be married or not, but because we have a mission to do. Because there's souls that need to hear the gospel. Because, because we have something to do. We have time that needs redeeming. Because we were sleeping, we need to be awake. So before anything, we must prepare. Any relationship in life will only be as strong as your personal relationship to Christ. If we aren't preparing our hearts now, we are just dragging others into our own mess. If you don't deal with that sin, anyone you bring into your your life, they get to deal with that sin too. So I have a couple questions. How have I prepared myself for a significant relationship in my life? Or how am I preparing? Or have I prepared at all? And another one is, do I treat my preparation like it's my vocation? Am I preparing like it's a job? Am I preparing like I mean it? If you're just one bunning preparation, well, you're asking for a one bun marriage. Does that make sense? Okay, now we can talk about marriage. This next section, what time did I start? Don't know, cool. 
This next section, doesn't matter. Uh, this next section is about our practice. So we, we prepared, and now we practice. Or, or we, we found our vocation, and now we need to be dedicated to that vocation. Pick it up in verse 22. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit. Amen. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm going I'm to ruin that spirit. <laughs> Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of, uh, of the body. Key point number two, we submit to each other because the Lord is worth it, not us. And so there's two, there's two phrases there I want to draw our attention to. I'll give you time to write that, that point down, or maybe it stays up there, I don't know. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord... For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. I want to I I draw us to those last phrases of each verse. And the first one we're going to do, we're going to kind of skip around, but the first one we're going to do is, how is Christ the head of the church? Like, yeah, you could say that. What does that look like? Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. What's the point of anything as a church? What's the point of anything we're doing absent Christ as the authority? Right? The whole point of everything we do as a church is to point and shout to Christ. Right? That's our job. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Why do we do this ministry? Jesus. Why do we serve Tuesday night meals? Jesus. It's, it's the reason we do everything in church. Why are we getting together and playing skateboards? Jesus. I don't even think we did that. Did they not skate today? Well, why are we playing basketball? Or why are we going thrifting for Jesus? I'm serious, though. It's, there's no reason for us to do any ministry if it's not because of Jesus Christ. The whole point of the church is Jesus Christ. We are wasting our lives in a weird pseudo-friends club if we aren't gathering together in obedience and seeking to do our Lord's will at any moment, at all moments. A body does nothing without the head. In fact, I didn't even realize this rhymed until right now. A body does nothing without the head. In fact, it is dead. Yeah, you better be snapping. Right? Okay, if I took a body and I removed the head from it, it's dead. <laughs> if... There's no one here that can get their head cut off and still be alive. Right? Does that make sense? I know that was high level. But doesn't that help, help define our position? We're the church. Listen, we're crucified with Christ. I mean, nevertheless, we live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A body is dead without the head exactly because we're supposed to die daily our body dies daily, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, and then we remain dead, and we let Christ be the head so that our dead bodies can be subject to the leading of the head. Our bodies do nothing without our heads, and so we do nothing without Christ. And, and this part of Ephesians is saying what then? What, look, look at that again, that phrase, that, that last half. For the husband is the head of the wife, okay, even as Christ is the head of the church. 
whoa, wait, <laughs> I can't act on my own, and my wife is not separate from, separate from her husband, we're one flesh, how can I, the husband, be thinking amen when I hear that wives submit unto your husbands? Well, I guess I could say amen if I stopped reading there, <laughs> if that was all it was. But that next part is under the Lord. So, so you know like how we started. The, the bride, the wife, is the wife to the husband. But we are the wife to Christ. You know the church is the bride of Christ. The marriage supper of the Lamb is when Jesus comes back for his bride. Like we are his wife. So anytime you read about a wife's job to her husband, we can also read about our job to Jesus. Does that make sense? So wives submit unto your husbands, okay, as unto the Lord, is just as much telling me how I should be submitted unto the Lord. My marriage would be extremely unhealthy if at any moment, this is back to the body and the head, if at any moment I had no idea if Havila was out spending all our money, or if I'm over here and she's over there selling our house, or if she's giving our kids away, or if she's making plans for the whole month, and I'm just trying to live life, but all of a sudden I have plans every day, that would be unhealthy. It's not bad for the wife to make plans or to do anything, but we have to do them together. It would be extremely impossible to live life if I had this head and I had no idea what my body was doing. <laughs> I'm just following around and it's like going crazy grabbing stuff. Like nothing would happen. It has to be cohesive and a unit in the head, identifies something to do and works together with the body to get it done, right? Um... So the head and the body equal a person. The head in and of itself is not a person. The body in and of itself is not a person. You need the whole thing. And the head, oops, I don't get, I don't get to keep all the things that I want and all my desires and my self-identity and then just throw a wife into the mix. Like I also have a wife, but I'm me. I don't get to do that. My wife and I are one, and we have, we, 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 we have interests and we have desires, and we have an identity. One of the best things we've done is to start the shared calendar. We got to the calendar stage where you just have to put stuff in the calendar. I'm at work, and I see calendar notifications. I'm like, oh, sweet. Andy and Teresa are coming over. Also, could have been Romeo and Becca. Looking back on it, it was, it was Andy and Teresa. I got it right. That, that, that's how it works. Can a head lift weights? Can a head drive a car? No, you need both. You need the head and the body. I need my wife just as much as my wife needs her husband. We leave our individual lives behind and we have become one flesh. This doesn't mean whatever. This doesn't mean, however, that I just tell Havila what to do at every moment. I don't just boss her around and tell her what to do. The picture breaks down or gets a little fuzzy here with, with, with Christ and the church and us and our wife. But I don't plan her day for her. I don't craft every thought in her head or ex expect her to float around just doing simple tasks around the house until I make a decision or tell her something else to do next. I, I, I basically never tell her no, right? Anything she asks, um, right? Like, I'm pretty sure I just say yes all the time. <laughs> like, she does all kinds of stuff. That's not, so that's not what it's like. She does whatever she wants, and I just say, 
sweet. Like, I don't care what color this room is, and I don't think we should necessarily pay for more colors. But if you ask me, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Spend, do it. Of course, I don't care about the room color. Of course, I don't, I don't, I don't want to stay home and, and watch my boys after, after work so that you can go to dinner with your friends. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, but of course I will. Absolutely I will. Whatever you want to do. I don't, I don't necessarily think we need to change the temperature of the house if you're cold. But if you ask me, absolutely. Set it whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like the, the fact that we get so bossy or so controlling is just silly. It's as unto the Lord. He's the savior of the body. Husbands especially can take this headship thing to the wrong extreme. We have to be careful. At what point has Christ removed our ability to make decisions? What, he's the head of the bride. When did he start making all your decisions for you? When was it ever not about your free will? He's laid out everything you need, right? He gave us the word of God. He gave us all the answers. But at the end of the day, everything is up to you. Well, what do you want? He did not take away our free will. He didn't start barking at us exactly what we're going to do with our lives now. He didn't pick some thing that we have to make the perfect decisions to get, get to down the road to unlock the perfect spouse. It's, it's what, whatever you want, just do it with me. Marriage is a team, and when done properly, it's a beautiful thing. Jesus absolutely would make better decisions than me every single day, but what he loves for me is to choose decisions, to make choices. What's the difference between, so if that's not true, what's the difference between being married to a person and being married to a robot? Right? It'd be so, so unsatisfying to have programmed every emotional response that you want, to have programmed all the choices that she's going to make, to have, have designed and had a hand in every single thing that's going to happen, no surprises, you coded everything you wrote in a robot spouse, and you, you know what it's going to say, you know it's going to love you, you, you know everything about it, you, you designed it, or <laughs> you have a person who you, you, you pursued and you put yourself out there, and you asked out to coffee, and you brought them Cheez-Its in Dan Reno's art class, and you, you dated their weird dad. <laughs> and instead of being a good student, you know, instead of all this stuff, no, I, I really, you guys, <laughs> I, if when I wanted to date Havila, you have it so easy, I was banned from talking to her. I couldn't talk to her. He's, I asked Mark. First, actually, the first thing I did, I was like, hey, can I take Havala to my works Christmas dinner? He was like, no. I was like, oh, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> hey, hey, Montana, you want to go? And then my whole work thought I was gay. Um, but uh, that, I really had to talk to someone about that. I was like, why is it, is it like some weird homosexuality thing if I just bring my friend to a Christmas work? Di- I don't know. Anyways, Mark told me no. I'm not saying anything weird. I'm just, that's just what my workplace said about me. You know what I'm talking about. It get into you. Um, anyways, where am I? What was I saying? 
Yes, I had to date her dad. Like, I couldn't, I wanted to date her. I was banned from talking to her. And every, every week, I had to wake up at 5 a.m. and go to this guy's house that I didn't really know that well. And, and you know, what's, what, the good part is I, I got to study the Bible with him. And then at the, another, another part of the week, I had to go to Waffle House and, and talk about all the sins in my life and how I'm, how I'm unworthy and all the things I need to change. And it's awesome. It's an awesome thing for a dad to do, to protect. Like, it's set up in my mind. This guy cares about his daughter, and he's not going to let. It was, it was cool. I'm just saying, you guys have it so easy. <laughs> I had to earn it. Anyways, Jesus' will is this, 1 Timothy 2.4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. If he was picking all the decisions, I got really off track there. If Jesus was picking all the decisions and designing all the things that he wanted, well, what he wants is for everyone to be saved. But he lets us make decisions. So the, the whole wives submitted into your husband's thing, there's a lot more to that than just do what I say. <laughs> The decision is yours. Let's keep reading. Um, I really have no reference on what I'm supposed to stop now. Left? Okay. This was like 30 minutes long when I practiced it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so therefore, verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. How did Christ love the church? Whoa. No, wait, you want me to do that? This is a real curveball and really conveniently glossed over because Christ gave up everything for his bride. He was owed more. He had earned more. He worked harder than that his whole life. Maybe he just wanted to sit down, turn some water into the, some beer, and just kick his feet up. Like that, no, I'm just, okay, okay, okay. I'm just saying that guy, he, he, if anyone had a right to not give his life for something, it was Jesus Christ. But despite having the worst bride, he decided to give up his whole life. Christ gave up his life for his church. He taught his church. He found leaders and slowly taught them, making sure his church, if he was ever going to be gone, he made sure his church had guidance in his absence. He lives inside of his church. He made sure his church has a book, at, a book about him that at any time his church can open up this book and read about him. That would be like writing endless letters so that any time I leave Havilah, she can open up this pile of letters and just read about me. What could I ever lack? What could I ever lack if we lay up at Christ's feet? Wait, what lack could we ever? Sorry. What? I'm going to skip that. What could we justly say? But you didn't give me this, Jesus? You never showed me this, Jesus? No. Christ is here for us. There was never at any given moment where he didn't deliver you or he didn't give you the option to be delivered where he won't deliver you and where he won't deliver you. Jesus, hang on. He did deliver, he doth deliver, and will deliver. I have to be dedicated to loving my wife as Christ loved me. Husbands, give up, giving up on lo- uh, our lives, loving, whew, sorry, whew. 
Husbands, giving up our lives, loving our wives, should be just as all-consuming as what we do for Jesus. We try to hold on to too much of ourselves, but just like you let go of self to follow Christ, you have to let go of self to love your wife. Um, this is a cool part here. Ephesians 5, 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Jesus talking about his bride. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This with Ezekiel 16, um, I really don't have time to read that. But if we look at Ezekiel 16 and verse, um, verse 4. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in the water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled. This is God. It's a, it's a story of this guy finding a gross baby in the field, covered in blood. No one loved it. No one wanted it. He decided to, to pick up this baby, to, cho- to choose it, and to wash it, and cleanse it, and make it without spot. And it's basically this picture of how God chose Israel, despite no one else wanting Israel, and sets it up to be his bride. And then in, it, it's, it's a really cool cross-reference, is what I'm, I'm going to have to skip it. But, but Jesus does for his bride exactly what God did for Israel. It's really cool. But no time for it. Right? Three whole pages. God didn't leave that gross baby in the grass. God walked right... No, he didn't walk right by that baby. He picked up that baby. He chose it and, and to love it and all that baby, what it did, just like the church does, is it... it, it turns out, pardon my language, it turns out to be a whore. It takes advantage of everything that God gave it and flaunts it to anyone who's walking down the street. It's, it's a relation to Israel, but it's also what the church does. We have so many idols. We, we've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. We've, we've, we've received so much grace. We've been given so much liberty, but we use it <laughs> to taint ourselves. If you want to do missions, I'm going to skip that part too. We never stop choosing to love our spouse. It isn't a reciprocal thing. She doesn't have to earn me loving her. She doesn't have to not offend me for me to love her. Because that's not how Christ loved the church. We did everything, I did everything I could to offend Christ and give him any reason to not die for me, and he chose to die for me. So how would I then, in light of that, and in disobedience to this word, not love her despite absolutely anything she could do? There should be nothing she can do for me to stop loving her, to stop giving my life for her. If Havilah was the worst wife ever to live, I would still be be supposed to choose to love her every minute of that. God and Christ, she's not. She's actually the best wife. (laughs) Sorry, you guys all lost that dart game we're playing. None of you guys got the bullseye that I got. There you go. (laughs) Oh, man. So, a question. Am I dedicating, am I dedicated to practicing a biblical marriage philosophy? Married or not? Are you dedicated to practicing that? Because even if you're not married, that's still how you and God are. That's still you and Jesus. 
did I communicate that clearly enough? My, me and my bride is Jesus in church. So Jesus in you, if you're a believer. Um, I probably have like one minute left, huh? Key point three, <laughs> way into the next section. Marriage or singleness, our cause is the gospel. You can read the rest through Ephesians 5, verse 33. Um, man, verse 33, verse 31, verse 30. Just, just, just keep reading. We are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. Just like if you want to look like Brayden, if you want to look like Wyatt, then you got to dedicate yourself to every day eating the perfect calories and lifting the perfect weights and sculpting that body. That's how we have to work on, it wasn't supposed to be weird. That's how we have to work on our relationship with Christ. We don't just say, I want to have a great relationship with Christ, and then the next day we wake up ripped. Not how it works. Every day you go to the gym. Every day you go to the gym. You lift some weights. You count your calories. You, you get rid of those sins in your life that are just getting, okay, the analogy is getting weird now. But we have, to, we have to practice that and then perfect it. We have to get better and better and stay committed to it. I don't just get married and then that's what it is. I have this wife that lives with me now. No, every day I find out more about how I can be a better husband, about how this family can make, look more like Jesus in, in the church. Because ultimately, I'm wrapping this up now, um, ultimately, marriage is to preach the gospel. Just like singleness was to preach the gospel, just like whatsoever state I am in, therewith be content. Whatsoever state you're in, therewith preach the gospel. How can you be a more, how can you be better at being single in order to get the gospel out? How can you be better at being married to get the gospel out? They're all tools to be used in the church to reach the lost world. How is your marriage being seen by the world in order to preach the gospel? How is your home welcoming to the world to preach the gospel? How is it edifying? How is your marriage edifying to other singles when they come in and see you guys married? How does that, that witness to them and, and fellowship with them and edify them? They're all tools to be used to preach the gospel. How can we minister now? If you're married or you're single, how can you, how can you minister right now? How can you perfect what you're doing right now to preach the gospel. Um, yeah. To the married couples, I hope that you can appreciate the call to live right, um, that we're not promised tomorrow, so preach the gospel with your marriage. Um, to the singles, I hope that you can appreciate the call to live right, we're not promised tomorrow, so preach the gospel with your singleness. We must prepare for marriage. We must practice biblical marriage and then perfect it daily. We have to remember that relationally, vocationally, dedicationally, motivationally, we're, we're living the mission, the Great Commission. The answer to any weird question you have to ask, how do I be a better teacher? How do I be a better spouse? How do I, how do, I do this? Well, if, if, if you're just a Christian, <laughs> If you apply the playbook to the situation, if you apply the Bible to it, you'll be better at it. The less I have to do things, the better. The more I let Christ do things, the better. Um, 
Sorry, I really botched that. But I'm going to pray, and then we'll have the worship team come up. And we'll close in an atmosphere of meditation. (laughs) Father, um, I just pray, Lord, that despite me, that there would be something that holds holds in people's hearts, that burns, Lord, that, that as we enter into this, this, this time of reflection and just thinking about what we've heard and learned, that, that God, there would be something that we can give over to you, that we can, we can find a sin that we got to get rid of, or we can find a decision that we've been putting off that needs to be made. Lord, you didn't put this whole weekend together just for nothing to happen. You desire us to know more about you. You desire us to be changed. You, you want us, Lord. Help us to want you in that same way. Um, Lord, I, I ask um, that's just that you would soften our hearts. Help us to respond to your word. Um, yeah, you are worth it all, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So. today's message encourage you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.